It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at luckylandslots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Inside Try Show with Helen Murray. This is the podcast that takes a deeper look at the sport with in-depth interviews and special episodes to keep you entertained and inspired while you're training. And action. Hello and welcome to episode 42 of the Inside Try Show, sponsored by Long Range Fuel. I'm Helen Murray and this is the weekly podcast bringing you the best interviews in triathlon and beyond. Now, it's all right, isn't it, if I'm excited again for this week's interview? I guess that's what makes me passionate about doing what I do, isn't it? Anyway, I love food. I love cycling and I absolutely loved chatting to this week's guest, the performance chef, Hannah Grant. Now, Hannah is most famous for working as a chef at the Tour de France and for her behind the scenes TV show, Eat, Race, Win, which we actually binge watched a few weeks ago. And I can highly recommend it if you haven't seen it. You can find it over on Amazon Prime and I will put some links in the show notes. But continuing on the food theme, this week's show is sponsored by Long Range Fuel from resilientnutrition.com who make phenomenally tasty performance enhancing nut butters. The stuff is yummy. So if you're after some nutrition for your long runs or your long rides or you're going out for a hike or maybe you've just got a long day by the computer and you need your brain to be firing on all cylinders, then have a look into Long Range Fuel. The energized versions are good for performance and the calm versions keep you calm and support your recovery and if you're on the go the pouches are superb for shoving in your back pocket while their big jars are definitely the way forward if you are at home and you have a big spoon <laughs> you can get 10% off with the code inside try 10 all lowercase over at resilientnutrition.com or follow the link in this week's show notes at insidetryshow.com anyway how are you doing is autumn in the air where you are? Or maybe you're in the southern hemisphere and the days are getting longer and there's a little whiff of spring. Lucky you. <laughs> Regardless, you've been telling me about your racing and training. Please do keep it up. I blooming love it. Lou Clagg and Claire Grimmer tell me they are loving the open water swimming this year. Vess has also been in the lake. Susie's practically had an outdoor pool to herself in Bulgaria. Lucky you. Nick's been busy preparing for the Kintyre Way Ultra. And Kerry, I think you just about managed to get out for a run while juggling, looking after your two kids and the fact that your husband is training for an Ironman. Ooh. I'm also keen for you to share your triathlon wisdom with me and with each other as well. So this week, it's going to be from Joanna Rousel, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago. 
Well, I'm going to give different level tips. So say you're like someone getting involved in cycling for the first time. I'd say try different types of cycling and have a go at mountain bike, have a go at cyclocross in the winter, try the track because they all complement each other. And I never thought I'd be a track rider. Like when I heard the bikes had no brakes, I was like, no, that is not for me. But obviously that sort of worked out quite well for me. So try different types of cycling. Um, if you're like the sort of person that's sort of cycling to commute or just sort of get around, um, that's great. And my advice would be um, on Google Maps, there's a cycling layer, which not everyone knows about, but it, you can see the recommended cycle routes in your area, dedicated cycle paths or quieter cycling roads. So that's a really good way to sort of work out um, where you can ride your bike safely. Um, and if you're sort of an aspiring athlete, if you're training quite seriously, then yeah, it would it would be about balance. It would be have something else in your life that you do so that your 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 overall well being and happiness isn't based on how fast you've ridden your bike that day or the day before or the race at the weekend. Like have something else that you do, even if it's like, any level of hobby, any level of interest, have more to you than just one thing that defines you. I think that's quite important. If you've not yet heard the full interview with the double Olympic gold medalist, Joanna Rousel, then do make sure you go back and you listen to it because so many people have been in touch saying how much they enjoyed hearing it as she embarks on a degree in medicine, including Ema and Pete and Natalie. And then on to the wisdom thing. Well, if you've got any wisdom that you want to share, then just get in touch with Inside Try Show on social media. You will see the Try Sharing Wisdom posts oh and before we go into this week's interview did you catch any of the super league triathlon from rotterdam it was an absolute genius combination of real racing and virtual racing so they were in the pool racing in the swim and then they were on their turbos using zwift and on treadmills but special treadmills which made them work harder on the run and the format changed up so again it was some swim bike run but then um bike run swim whatever the different versions are um but yeah it was really exciting and the thing that i was surprised by was actually how how the fact that it did work and it was pretty enthralling and because the athletes were static you could really see the efforts and the pain on their faces so that bit was yeah very very cool to see and and the watts that they were putting out and the power and the speeds that they were running at it definitely put it into perspective just how great they are um yeah we caught up with it on youtube so if you haven't seen it and you fancy a little bit of entertainment then go and look at super league triathlon on youtube time for this week's interview as i mentioned just before and you probably know by now, I love food. And I am really thrilled that I can bring you a podcast all about food and cooking, fueling and eating. And that is all thanks to performance chef extraordinaire, Hannah Grant. Now, Hannah does have a fascinating story to tell from working at the legendary Noma restaurant in Copenhagen to being team chef on the pro cycling team Saxo Bank Sungard and making sure that those riders were fueled for all of their training and their races, as well as the Grand Tours. So the Giro d'Italia, the Tour de France and the Vuelta a España. You might be familiar with Hannah's work from watching her in the Amazon Prime series Eat, Race, Win. If you haven't seen it, like I said before, add it to your things to watch because it's really cool. It's like a cross between the Tour de France, which 
I love. Very excited that it's going to be on, isn't it? And then a food programme as well. So practically my idea of heaven. So here is the interview to whet the appetite. Hannah Grant, welcome to the Inside Try Show. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited. Thank you. Thank you. So I wanted to ask, first of all, to get a little bit about your background. So first of all, how did you get into being a chef? Because it wasn't the original plan, was it? Nope. I mean, becoming a chef, um, actually, well, that's kind of, I'm like, I can, I barely remember. Yeah. I mean, so when back, back, uh, back when I was a teenager, I was very, uh, I was very focused on the restaurant industry and, um, and I actually wanted to work. I was just really, I thought it was so magical, like, you know, people serving things and I don't know why, but that was just what I thought was, was interesting. But my mom was like, you know, it's not, you can't start uh, like chef training school so early. It's going to decay you. You're going to turn into, uh, you know, uh, an alcoholic and uh, whatnot. So, I mean, she came from a background. Her dad was a waiter uh, back in the 40s and the 50s, back in the old school days of uh, heavy drinking in the restaurant industry. Um, and so she was she was worried that if I ventured into that industry, you know, it was the, it was going to be my downfall. So, um, so she, she basically told me, you know, it's high school or, um, or in Denmark, you have something called 10th grade. And basically she would sort of decide what I did or approve it until I was 18. And then I could decide for myself. So, um, uh, not very happy. She, uh, she made me start high school that I, um, that I then actually, when I turned 18, dropped out of <laughs> because I was like, not, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that doesn't really uh, thrive in just sitting still reading books. Um, my learning curve is much better when I'm like actually doing things. Right. So, yeah. so um, yeah, learning as you do, that's, that's my thing. Um, I can read tons of books if I'm just interested and it makes sense to me. And high school didn't. Uh, so I, I dropped out and um, I'm almost like, you're never going to make it. From there, I uh, was working full time selling perfumes in a department store <laughs> in Copenhagen. And um, and I thought to myself, oh, my God, I need to get a kick in the butt and get some discipline. Because are you going to stand here the rest of your life asking people if they want to try the newest whatever? So I decided to join the Navy, uh, the Royal Danish Navy. And that's that was kind of the kick uh, for me to get the discipline and understand how to work under uh, systems that I not necessarily agreed with, you know, in order to go through it and just basically take orders and, and learn how to like not just do things that was what I wanted to do. And in the Navy, I met a really good, uh, now a really good friend who was a chef. He just, he was he just graduated the when when I met him and that's when it dawned on me again I'm like wait you know I was helping him out in the galley and and I was like wait this is remembering you know that's what actually what I wanted to do and so um when I got back from that I was in the navy for nine months and I sailed on an inspection ship in Iceland and Greenland and the Faroe Islands had a crazy experience and when I got back I started chef school in Copenhagen and did four years of training, so school and training, and graduated in 2007. Yeah, and the reason why I actually was able to get through that school was because of the discipline that I had uh, 
trained myself in in, in the navy because it's very similar, right? You do it as a chef and as a chef in training, uh, you do a lot of things that you don't want to do, like clean and peel onions and uh, wash uh, lettuce and whatnot. Um, so that was definitely the navy was the reason why I could finish my education, which turned into become you know the most amazing like foundation for everything that I've done because it's taken me around the world. Um, I've worked with professional surfers and kiteboarders, sailed around the South Pacific. Uh, I've worked at some of the best restaurants in the world. Uh, I mean, I've done so many crazy things uh, through that uh, education, you know, because as a chef, you can basically take a job anywhere if you just understand what, what the, you know, the whole point and the technique of where you are is. And so... Um Yeah. <laughs> when you when you when you graduated, Hannah, from chef school, like what was your goal? My goal was back then to become one of the greatest female Michelin star chefs on the planet. So uh, I had a very very uh, clear goal, and I was going to travel out into the world. I was going to venture out, get a lot of experience, come back, and I was going to put Denmark uh, on the map of the world. Uh, and like be basically becoming the lead female chef within fine dine you know <laughs> it's always good to have a goal um, but you, like you did you, but you did you went on and you worked in Noma and everything yeah I, I did um and actually at Noma I that's when it dawned on me that I'm not gonna become the world's best Michelin star chef because I'm gonna go to jail or die uh, before I reach that point because it's so hard you know I remember I was standing in the, in a walk-in fridge uh, in in the restaurant, and you work sixteen-hour days. It's pretty brutal, you know. You your body aches and hurts when you wake up. And I just remember I had just organized everything in the walk-in fridge, and someone came in and screwed up the whole system. And I had done like I I was like, it's kind of like Groundhog Day. You keep on doing the same things, and pe you know, it's like people never learn. And I was just, oh my god. Am I going to do this the next 10 years like this in order to get to the point where I can start my own and get the restaurant that I want and so on? And I was like, this is not that this is just, you know, I'm going to kill someone before I reach that point <laughs> or myself. So I decided um, at that point, I was like, okay, I got to find a way where I can still work with food and cooking, but make a difference in a different scenario. I actually decided to venture into <laughs> to starting university. And then you you rewind and you're like, wait, you can't go to university if you drop out of high school. And I was like, no. And what did you want to go and do at university just to expand your like nutrition and expand yes, your yes, nutrition, <laughs> nutrition and food science? Because um, I was very interested in all these, uh, you know, aspects of food, because as a chef, you have you typically have one goal. The goal is to make food that's delicious and amazing, that satisfies the customers And not necessarily taking nutrition and well-being, uh, other than the mental well-being, into consideration of your creation of the dishes. But I thought it was interesting that food—you know—you have so many abilities with food. Other, you have you can affect the mental part of people because it tastes good and it makes people feel good. It can make you ask questions. And then on the side, also, you know, this whole dieting world. Everyone was like trying to like trying to lose weight, trying to. Uh, at that point, it was you got to be skinny, right? Everyone had to be skinny. And food became also a punishment for a lot of people. And I'm like, yeah, you have to like be able to combine food as a healthy thing, 
without the punishment part, right? It should be possible to eat nutritious and healthy and get where you want to get to without feeling like it's a punishment, right? And that was very yeah. motivating for me. And so that's why I wanted to actually go to university and, and study. Um, and for some sick reason, I thought I could work at Noma at the same time as like getting up in the morning, going to school, then working. And then it was, I mean, no, no way. It's not possible, right? So I asked my sous chef at the restaurant and said, listen, I, I need to, I want to study. I need to get somewhere else. Um, and I'm looking for a job where I can finish my math and chemistry mm -hmm. class so I can get into university and build upon my chef education, right? I'm like, do you know of anyone where I can work a lot and then be off possibly in the weekends? I was thinking banquets and so on. And so he called me and he was like, there's a cycling team. They're looking for a chef. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting because that's, you know, it's food, it's nutrition, it's traveling, it's everything that I wanted to do. I want, always wanted to travel also with with work. And so... um And and he's like, okay, I'll connect you with uh, with the the guy that, from the team. And I had a, a talk with him, and he's like, yeah, you know, you'll work maybe f four days, and then you'll be off a week, and then you'll work uh, six days and be off two weeks. And I'm like, that could work, that could work. And I'm like, so what type of food? And they're like, whole foods, nutritious, lots of vegetables, like healthy. And I'm like, wow, this is everything I want to do. And it's professional athletes, and they're really professional they're going to eat exactly what i serve them and wow it's going to be amazing you know i just saw this like wonderland of everything that i dreamt of and so i said okay let's do it i had my first training camp in 2011 january on mallorca with oh, 30 bike riders and which team was this honey at that time it was called team saxobank sungard so yeah. it was the team that Jan Ries owned and um i was alone cooking for 30 guys, three meals a day, 30 guys that eat like 90 people, right? So this was a suicide mission beyond I was like what this, I was like crying to the, like to Bjarne's wife that was there. I was like, this is like not possible. No one, I'm like, I don't know who has done this before, but this is not possible. Had anyone done it before? So they had had a chef before, but what um, the chef before had done was not as, complex nutritional like as a chef you want to do everything from scratch i bake my own sourdough bread i do my own vinaigrettes my own sauces everything but if you're alone cooking for 30 that eats like 90 three meals a day for two weeks it ain't possible right no in a shitty kitchen that doesn't have any equipment the kitchen staff they were really kind they helped me out a lot it was oh my god it was a nightmare at that point if you had asked me and said to me Hannah, you're going to work with this team for five years. I would have said no freaking way. You know, I was like, I'm coming home. I'm never going to work with these guys again. And they were like, please, please stay, stay, stay. You know, we, we'll make it better. We'll get you help. And how, I'm how did, Hannah, how did that moment when you're thinking like, no way, how did that compare to the moment in Noma in the fridge when you had like had enough? Um, Any time in my life when I just reached the point of, I've had enough. That's when my brain comes up with all the solutions and all the ideas. And that's when, that's when I'm the most creative. And that's when I see the light of what's going to happen, right? For some stick reason, you got to be down in the soil before you can rise like the Phoenix. Right. So um, at that point, you know, I was like, man, this is not the way to go. And 
I was supposed to be working with the team from January till end of July. And then another chef would take over. That was the original plan. Um, and I thought, okay, well, I signed this contract. I have to get through this. Um, and it was awful. Oh, God, it was so awful. The writers were like, where's my ketchup? Where's my white pasta? I don't want to eat this. Like, I don't want to eat the whole foods and I don't want to eat the veggies. And it was just, it was like dealing with kids at the same time. And I was like, this is maddening. Was there um, lots of left leftovers at the end of the day? Yeah, because they would rather eat the hotel buffet with the deep fried uh, stuff. And, you know, they were like, oh, I don't want to eat this. And I'm just like, what the, f what is going on, man? You know, it was, yeah, it was really uphill. The first year was so tough and yeah. it was so much uphill. Also because I was under the understanding that when you are a pro athlete that has signed a contract for possibly millions of euros, you are really, I mean, on, under contract to do as your team asks you to do, which is take care of yourself. Yeah. And I was just so surprised that these grown men were like not having it. And I'm like, what? So they were giving me a hard time. I was, for me, I said, you know, I'm a chef. I can cook anything. If the team tells me to cook French fries, I'll do it, right? <laughs> But that's not what the team told me to do, right? They told me we want whole foods and vegetables and this and this and this. And the writer's like, hmm. It was so mind-boggling to me that the team wanted me to do it and the writers didn't want to eat it. Because of being a female as well in a very male-dominated environment, do you think that made a difference too? I know the writers never pointed that out to me, never. But I had staff from teams pointed out to me uh, saying, you don't belong here. You know, you're never going to last, blah, blah, blah. you know, this is a man's world. And and the funny thing was I came from the the, the restaurant industry, which is a very male-dominated world, or was a very male-dominated world. And the Navy. And the Navy, yeah. But never, ever in my time in the Navy nor in uh, in the restaurant industry did I ever think that I was different. I never thought about my gender being different in those industries because what mattered there was... If you work and you do your job right, no one's going to fucking care. And then I stepped into cycling and then someone pointed it out to me. And I'm like, me being a female doesn't change the fact that what I serve is what the guys need to eat. Because this was not a writer saying this. And I'm like, does it change, you know, the quality of my work that I have a different gender? I'm like, is it a problem? And they were like, this was old school, right? And I'm like, no, yeah. that's not right. You don't belong. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't get the, the rule book of old school world. I'm sorry, right? But no. not everyone. Just I have to say that not everyone. It was just a few bad apples around um, that pointed it out. But it was weird being in a situation where I cannot change this part. Yeah. Um, and... And someone is, you know, they're, they're like, girls don't belong there. They're podium girls or groupies or uh, girlfriend material, right? And I'm like, well, welcome to the new uh, new uh, world, right? It's not like that. Yeah. So, yeah, so it was, it was, you know, it was a lot of things. And also at the same time, when I started in cycling, I knew nothing about cycling. I knew no rules. I knew, I didn't know anything And I thought, ah, oh, fuck it. You know, I'll take it as an experience, right? You can never take that away from one. I made it through the Giro. We won the Giro d'Italia. So the big tour of Italy. 
and at the Giro, the first couple of days, I was alone again. And I went to the boss and I said, listen, I need a helper on this trip or else I am going to die and leave. You know, <laughs> you're not going to have a chef. And they're like, okay, do you know anyone? I'm like, yes, I know a young guy who just graduated. I can get can get him down. So that's in 2011, I had like people come and help me actually at the Tour de France in 2011. I had my cousin who's a chef as well. And she was like much more calm and like she, she, she definitely made sure that I didn't die. (laughs) And um, after the tour, they were like the other chef that was supposed to take over the job, he bailed out and they were like, can you please do the Vuelta? The Spanish tour, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and obviously that's like a bit later on in the summer, isn't it? Yeah, so that's August, yeah. September, and yeah. the tour is in July. Um, yeah. And so I said, okay, I'm in it now. I'm, I'm. Let's just go all out. You know, let's walk the plank whilst we're at it. Uh, so I did the Vuelta as well um, and had a help, the helper that also helped me at the Giro. And after the season, they were like, would you please stay one more year? And I'm like... Listen, if I have to stay another year, things have to change. <laughs> like, for real, you know? So by the time you got to the Vuelta, had the guys, most of the guys by that point, come around to your way of... No. Yeah. No. <laughs> so they still wanted their pasta and tomato Yeah, yeah. It was, it was uh, a few of them. It was kind of a tragedy. That didn't happen before in twelve. One thing I learned, and I learned it the very hard way, is you never change a, an athlete's diet overnight. You do, and not even an athlete. You don't change anyone's diet overnight. It's just not possible. It's like too much of a shock. You got to go small steps. So I sat down with the team, had a very serious talk with them, and I said, okay, well, if I continue, you have to allow me to get a, an apprentice that I that follows me year-round. And I need a proper kitchen in a truck that I can cook uh, out of because the hotel kitchens and the kitchen that they had in a truck back then, it doesn't function. And they listened and gave me a truck. How did you eventually change their mentality? So in 12, I was like, okay, how do we, how do we do this? Right. Yeah. Um, And I thought they always want everything comfort food. They want white pasta, ketchup, burger, pizza, anything they know and like, right. And the team wants me to cook chickpeas, brown rice, lots of veggies, uh, whole foods, everything the writers didn't want. And I'm like, okay, we have to figure out where does these two things meet? So the the golden circle for me was using ingredients that the team wanted me to use, like all these whole food things, but yeah. not like as super like vegetarian as it could be. And then figuring out how to like make it comfort food like so that they were, oh, this looks familiar. I'm I'm okay with this. Let's try it, right? Sometimes it also failed, but that year I kind of figured out where is the balance. Yeah. So I, I found a rule that was two-thirds uh, ingredients uh, that they knew and liked and yeah. one new ingredient. So and never mix too many things and don't cut them too small. They have to be able to see what it is. So, because then they think I'm hiding things. And so for them, a a bit of it is the fact that they know they can ride a grand tour and they can get through it by eating that pasta and the ketchup. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. One thing that happened in 2011 
in March when I started. Mm. Um, the cycling uh, union uh, or organization they yeah. put in a new rule was called it was called the no needle policy. So no longer were you allowed to give IVs with nutritional anything, so vitamins, minerals, salt, water, whatever. If you poked a hole in a bike rider with a needle, they were taken out of the race. So all of a sudden, the doctors couldn't like be in charge of all their nutrition. They actually had to eat it the old school way orally, right? <laughs> um, so previously, what? So what did they do then? Previously, so then if a rider was fatigued and so on, they could give them uh, like hydration drops, uh, vitamins, um, whatever. Basically, you could get anything through an IV. Uh, and when I say anything, that's of course the reason why they banned needles because you yes. don't know if it's hydration or not if you're the anti-doping thing. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing... The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So um, so, so they banned uh, everything like that, and then all of a sudden, uh, you the teams were forced into rethinking how they could make sure the riders got everything they needed. And that's why then they have all started to have chefs and things like that. That's one of the reasons, yes. And then also because the the chefs would make sure that the food wasn't contaminated, that it was fresh. Also, when I started, we had Alberto Contador come to the team. He came from Astana and the whole Clean Boots Roll steak case was going on. So I was the front face of the new chef that was going to make sure everything was clean and that we didn't serve this or that, and diddle it, little it, it. And the team was like, you got to trace everything and everything you've bought. Like when you buy meat, you got to save the labels. And it was just, oh my God. It was like I had a crash course from the press manager in how to deal with the press because they would come and they would ask me all kinds of questions. And there was a big no no list of things I couldn't say because it would just trigger, you know, beef, ooh, steak, ooh. So I think for almost three years, I managed to um, go through all interviews and hundreds of interviews without never, ever saying the word steak or beef. Oh, my God. Everything is veal. Everything is uh, I would I would word it around it. Like basically they taught me and then I practiced. I got a lot of practice in how to answer as a politician. Right. (laughs) You answer a question (laughs) with 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 your explanation for what you want to say. Right. Um, So, uh, so that was, uh, and that's actually, um, that's actually, so the Grand Tour cookbook that I wrote was my first book mm-hmm. is based on the Tour de France 2012, where the first year was, okay, I cracked the code for what they actually do when I eat. So in many ways, that is a classic. I mean, it came out in Danish in 2013, and then it came out in English in 15, and it's still selling. It's crazy. And the, I mean, it turned into a show, Eat, Race, Win on Amazon Prime. 
Which is brilliant. And it's just so like all my struggles and the, the golden circle of figuring out how to like get the good stuff turned into the food that they wanted to eat, gaining their trust in that way. And also it helped every year we got new riders and the young riders and all the riders from the other teams were looking at what it was doing. And it was the grass is greener on the other side thing, right? They wanted my food. My riders like, mm. uh, so <laughs> Um, were, you, were you a bit like the, the blueprint for other teams? Uh, for many things, yes. At that point, I also want to give some a lot of credit to Sean Fowler, who was the chef of the, the team that was called Garmin back then. So a US chef who is, I would say, the cycling founder of like all these nutritious, amazing dishes. Um, we have very different styles, but he had they were they went gluten free as one of the first teams. And so he was experimenting with a lot of things. I think the reason why I got a lot of attention with what I was doing was A, because I was also female. So everyone was like, what is this woman doing here? And I had a background from high-end restaurants. And, you know, and what I did differently from Sean was I made it very simple. It's sort of like the clean eats, you know, it's very, what you see is what you get. It's not cut into two small things. And it was... The first thing is it has to look beautiful. It has to be inviting. It has to be of good quality ingredients. And then don't, pardon my French, don't fuck with it too much, right? Because that's very much Michelin star food restaurant. Like it's you, you process it too much, right? I Like the gels and the mousses and things like yeah, that. Yeah, you, you like you cut it, you boil it, you blend it, you paste it, you do all this stuff. And I'm like, my philosophy is keeping it as whole and real as possible, as close to the real thing as possible. Uh, so that you can see what you're eating and it's as intact as possible. So you keep as many nutrients in and you you care for the products that you use so that you have them as nutrient packed as possible. So, um, so yeah, so, so that, that, that did become, you know, the inspiration for many. And then back then, actually, I think I was the first one to pick up Twitter and I yep. started sharing every meal that I did for the riders on Twitter. So I would share this and people were like, oh my God. God, we get to see what the riders are eating. Yeah. It's like no one had seen that in that way before. It was such a mysterious closed area, right? When they eat, no one allows a journalist to come in. It's just a private moment. It's the moment of the day where they get to sit and decompress and talk about what's happened and so on. So all of a sudden, I opened a window to something that people had not seen before. You got to see yeah. these things, right? It's not just... It wasn't the old school way of cooking for riders, which was like, here is lots of pasta, here is chicken, here is the salad. Because that is pretty much what they used to eat, isn't it? Yeah. Like masses of pasta. And and you mentioned like the, the, the sort of the salad buffet. Yeah. So the funny thing is when you come to the hotel, so ASO in France, they always pre-book the hotel food and they um, it, there's a standard called the sports buffet. So the sports buffet is um, it's it's they get a list from what has to be on the sports buffet. Sports buffet, so uh, bolognese meat sauce, uh, tomato sauce, pasta, rice, and then the uh, you know cheesy uh, salad buffet where you get chopped iceberg, canned corn, maybe canned uh, bean sprouts, cucumber, tomato, like just really uninspiring right and then like some sort of chive dressing and whatever and it's the same every single freaking day and you're just like oh my god if i have to eat another sports buffet which has nothing to do with sports very french so i'm like oh my god it's just it was just so depressing so 
and and the riders as well that was a key thing that that you did is is during the tour I guess a bloody long time isn't it three weeks and just the energy required and you are so passionate about matching food and mood yeah yeah for for me it was you know I could see that uh, halfway through the riders started losing appetite right and Mm -hmm. and uh the golden phrase, you lose your appetite, you lose the game, right? You're out of it. You can't, if you can't eat, you don't have any fuel. So then you're, you're done basically. So what I realized at that point, and I, I could see it because in the beginning I was like, okay, I'm going to continue with the way I'm cooking the right nutritious. They want to eat it. But then I could see that they didn't want to eat it. And I'm like, okay, well, we agree that if they don't eat, they're not going to perform. So we have to figure out how do we keep them eating? And if it means that in the end uh, that every day I would do risotto because I knew they would eat that, I would do a delicious risotto every day. That was what they got because that was the important thing. You know, I could put some veggies in, but at that point they're so tired. They're so fatigued they're, They might be, you know, if you aren't the winning team, it's, it's hard to get through the last, the last week even if you are if if you are the winning team but still if you win you know there's everyone's like yay and you're like riding on like uh, adrenaline and, and um that's when you have to like okay give them also what they want so there's a fine balance between eating nutritionally correct food for what your body on uh, like in theory needs because you have to constantly look at what the mind also is telling you because they just stick together and i think that's what most nutritionists they get wrong because if you stick to a diet and you have to stick to it super strict at some point you get so depressed and then you end up in the candy store or in the burger joint or whatever because you're like it's just too much right at some point it's too much you need the balance the 80 20 balance right of allowing yourself to also live because or else life just gets too tough and especially when you're an athlete and you got to eat 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 and fuel how much, how much would they eat, Hannah? I mean, obviously it depends on, on the different stages, but some of the stages were so brutal, right? I mean, as a typical, I would say uh, one rider would, would, on the normal stages, they would eat three times the amount as a normal grown man would eat. I mean, they on some of the crazier stages, they would burn 10, 12,000 calories. I mean, they did, one year they did Alpe d'Huez climb twice. In it's one just... day. In one day. It was so brutal to watch there's so much so much fuel has to go into to to these guys right and that's not when they do that that's not when you serve um the salad <laughs> the like crunchy, <laughs> uh, salad, right that's when you get more like you gotta get like carb packed heavy uh comforty stuff because they just want it and they need it do you have much of a relationship with the riders because in eat race win I don't know, this might be how they edited, how it was edited, but you sort of sometimes see them say thanks, but that was pretty much it. And a lot of your communication would be through the director sportive. Is that the case? <laughs> and how would you gauge the mood of the riders? So the show versus uh, when I worked for the team, obviously when I worked for the team, I'd been there five years and you, mm. you get a relationship with the, some of the riders, some you don't. Mm. I think there's the fine balance between crew on a cycling team wanting to be friends with the uh, people. And the, the riders are super popular and everyone wants to be their friend and be a part of them. 
and I I'm not a fan of groupie culture. I think it's uh, I think it's actually really appalling if you were a professional. So I I wanted to give them the space that they needed because everyone is going to ask how was your day, how was your this, and you know what? All this courtesy asking stuff it's just not worth it. Um, for me, it was much more. The door was always open to the truck if they wanted to come and have a chat or snack or whatever. But um, I think it's so brutal as a rider at the tour. It's so brutal as staff as well. I mean, it's just, especially as a rider, everyone is pulling them constantly. And and the journalists, everyone wants a bite of them, basically. Um, so, yeah, so I think I know other chefs are different. Um, but for me, it was very much giving them space because... I'm not their fan. I'm their chef. <laughs> so so in the show, obviously, we connected with Orica um, Scott, the Australian team. So this was not originally my team because when the producers contacted me, the team that I was at had closed. Um, so yep. we had to find a team that we could make this world in. And and Orica was so kind to let us come in and, and be a part of it. But as I mentioned, you don't gain that trust overnight. No. So it was... It was uh, it was also tough creating that show, trying to replicate what I had worked on for so many years with people that I'd known for so many years at a different team. So, yes, they did a great job editing um, editing this uh, because there is a lot of things. I mean, this is actually the first time I'm saying this. You know, I came into that team and some were like, yay, that's cool. And some were like, yeah. what are you doing here, right? Yeah. Why are you here? So like it's, it's not Hollywood kind of thing. Yeah. And this was like, you know, um, I, I was not trying to make anyone feel shit. That was not the point. But a lot of people felt very threatened by the fact that that I came in with my crew at that team. And so luckily you cannot see that in the show. There was a lot of uh, conflict on the on the outside of the show between uh, some of the, the crew uh, around it. So I typically explain it like it's the American company that comes with their big hat and their, you know, lassos and they kick in the door and they're like, I'm here to like give you a good time. And then because the show crew, we were almost 30 people and it's a lot of people to bring into a team that is this is the most important race of the year. Everyone is super stressed out. And then yep. you have 30 people that never been at the tour that don't know where to put themselves, that don't know when to shut up, that don't know when to get moving. And I felt responsible for 29 people that were like rounding. So the cycling world is a very closed yeah. world and it's very hard to get into. And so it's a miracle that we managed to pull that off. You, it's, um, they just don't want to see you. They want to ride. They want to eat. They want to ride. And sleep yeah. and recover. Yeah. And so the riders, they're surrounded by people at all times. So then you develop a thing where you, you, learn how to close out the world outside of you, even though you're surrounded by people. And that can sometimes make you come out as an arrogant asshole. Uh, but you have to, because if you don't, it's just, it's too much. Yeah. There's so many people. It's, it's a, it's such a crazy experience for anyone who's not tried uh, being at the tour. Even if you're just at the tour one day as a spectator, you can feel the crazy vibe when you're in it. It's like, it's just a crazy train that just is riding and there's no way stopping it. And you got to like, just cling on to it. Right. Um, and was that the last tour that you did? The one with the film crew? Yes. That was the last tour yeah. that I did. So that was, we filmed it in, we filmed it in 17. Mm. 
That was the last Tour de France I did. So that was. And and you had enough as well by then. (laughs) It's a fun thing with that. Um, I love the Tour de France in so many ways because it's. Unlike most of my 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 colleagues, I love the Grand Tours the most because I like the fact that when I left my house, I had an entire month where I just knew exactly what I was going to do. I was the only staff uh, on the team that did all three Grand Tours every year for five wow. years straight. Wow! wow. So I did, I did for I did fifteen Grand Tours straight for five years as the only one. I don't know if you get a medal for that. <laughs> I, I think so. <laughs> and then I, um, so it was, it was, it was tough, but for me, it was better to be in that mode. Mm-hmm. And it's so special. And you just, so you create a bond with some people around you. You also get, you get, I mean, people, you hate people and people hate <laughs> you. And it's so intense because you're just together all the time. And even if you don't like your colleagues, you're stuck with them for a month, right? Um, so, by the way, I'm laughing so much because it's a bit like working. Um, uh, it's like working at the Olympics. It's like the dream. You yeah. want to be there. And then when you are there, it is very different to what people see on TV. And it is so intense. And you're just there for three weeks. And it is completely, completely full on. And like you say, you're in your bubble. You know what you're doing. And some people are really bloody annoying and other people are great <laughs> yeah i mean that's the uh, that's the thing it's, just, uh, it's yeah it's a hate love relationship with it so yep. um so that being said i love the tour so much i really do and i have uh, the best memories ever would i want to do it again as a chef for a team uh, now that i'm 37 and i just had a hip surgery i don't think i could i actually don't think i could i think all of i think um, I think it would be like a soldier going back into war. I don't think I could do it. I would like to, though, go back to the tour and do it on my own terms. I would like to follow it and um, and and do it without having to uh, fit into the, the strict time zone and, and rules yeah. of being with the team. Because there's so much at the tour that I love that I still would like to explore. Then I And I also got to do that a little bit in the show. But I would like to, to follow the tour and do it on, on my own terms at some point. Has it made you want to stay in the world of a performance chef? Is that what one thing it has done? Yeah, I mean, I think this, this, the cycling is a very closed universe and a very closed world. But when I then basically came out of it, I found out yeah. that what I learned in cycling and what I could take away with me from that world was that I could share to people that did all kinds of other things, triathletes and runners and uh, all types of other athletes. And that experience and that knowledge that I have is so golden. And my food philosophy works for so many other people. And I think I just love the way I can see that the things that I create, when people do those recipes, it makes a difference for them. And they, I get all this amazing feedback with people that are so happy with that they can do their own bars and they easy tricks for this and that, and that it changes their performance. And then it, my job is really meaningful. It makes so much sense to me that I can, you know, that I don't just like, that's the end of a chapter of my life. Now let's do something else. Right. Because at some point I actually thought, well, man, I just want to stop this cycling. I don't want to be the cycling chef anymore. I just want to be Hannah that can do other things. So I tried to escape it. And every year in June, July, my phone would just ring 
everyone would be like, oh, can we talk to you? We want to ask you these questions, interviews. I could never escape it. And I was like, okay, if I can't escape it, embrace it, right? <laughs> and how do you, if this is something that will never, and I'm going to lift my cup now with the Tour de France mug. It is, it is. <laughs> and I can, you know, you know what? It became the thing that I'm like, okay, it's the, the it's the tattoo that I can never remove. And you know what? I'm just going to love it and embrace it and make it become a part of me because it really is. Because all of a sudden I'm now working with Dr. Stacy Sims, who is yeah. an awesome is sports physiologist that specializes in female uh, physiology. She's so awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're going to do more to do with nutrition, especially yeah. for females and around menstrual cycles and things like that? All these things. Yeah, because, I mean, that's very much her thing. So, of course, we've uh, made the book Eat, Race, Win together. My my audience is also very, uh, actually now it's 50-50 male and female. But I like this idea of of being able to develop things and moving moving forward with these things. So, yes, working with her has definitely changed my world. And I think such an interesting thing to to venture into. Um, not saying that I'm not uh, work, developing food for uh, males. The recipes I do, they work for all, but it's just about the timing for when you eat it and how it works for you. So that's the good thing about food, right? Um, also, yes. as I, I, I normally do a disclaimer on my blogs, which is like, this food can also be eaten by non-athletes, right? <laughs> it's not like everyone's like, oh, so your cookbooks are, are just for athletes. I'm like, no, no. I mean, you can still the food is still healthy. Food's food. <laughs> right. Yeah. What's your go-to then? If if people people who do triathlons, people who maybe love running, swimming, what about an idea for like a go-to breakfast, a go-to lunch and a go-to dinner? So I've also realized that, of course, there's what season. That's kind of like what you need. You know, your body's going to crave different things. And then geographical location of like, what are you used to? Because as a Dane with Scottish heritage, Oatmeal is one of my favorite things, right? Anything yeah. oatmeal, because that is the most amazing, uh, long-lasting fuel that you can kickstart your day with. And with oatmeal, you can do so many things. So the basic oatmeal is one thing. There's a good trick that I have is, and this is also Stacy's thing, is add protein to all meals. So the trick to oatmeal is, obviously, you can mix in all kinds of spices that you like and dried fruits and whatnot. But then when it's warm and you just pull it off the stove, you crack an egg into it and mix it in. And that egg heats up, doesn't curdle into into um, like scrambled eggs, but it just makes it creamy and it adds protein to it. So it fills you up more as well. And that's such a good trick to like, so if you don't want to eat like a boiled egg or an omelet in the morning, but you still want your protein and you're maybe you're also tired of eating protein powder, that's a super good trick. And then there's the other trick, which is make a ton of oatmeal in the morning and then the next day you make oatmeal pancakes. So you add eggs to it and then you fry them up and you have oatmeal pancakes. And in the oatmeal pancakes, you can also add like uh, shredded coconuts and so on. And those pancakes, they also work great as like a post run or ride like carb thing. So what I work with is always, you know, how lazy can you be? And how can you, <laughs> I mean, food wise, because if you can cook something that you can use at a later stage, I mean, you've won, right? It's two and one. So I'm a very big fan of oatmeal because it can turn into so many things. And then, of course, the uh, the cold version of it, the beer muesli, I think is great. Oh. Uh, because you make big bulk, you can add so many different types of fruit to it and like even, you know, mix it with yogurt. Or I, So I don't eat dairy products because I can't, unfortunately, I can't. Some cheese I can, but 
So I use a lot of non-dairy products like uh, almond milk and um, oat milk. They have amazing oat milk here in Denmark. Uh, I even make it myself sometimes. Um, But like soak the muesli in that. And then because that also is a great breakfast, also a great like afternoon snack or post ride or run thing that you don't have to make like do anything with the better with the good thing about that is the longer it sits the better it gets oh, right better until it's yeah. minced then it's <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah so that that's like the breakfast and the post uh, post um post uh, training uh, uh, snack and then anything rice because if you cook rice for dinner mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm really obsessed with making like vegetable curries at the moment but oh, anything yeah. rice and leftover rice is also my favorite thing because rice cold rice If you mix that with egg and uh, shredded coconut, you can fry pancakes. <laughs> pancakes again. No, it works so well. And then you have, again, you have a breakfast or a post-training uh, meal. But also any leftover rice is great for like a quick stir fry. And then that you can eat for lunch as well. So anything with cooked rice, cold cooked rice, always make way too much because there's so many options of in the evening, just chop some veggies up quickly like saute them together with the rice soy sauce uh, roasted sesame oil it's amazing and that is great cold as lunch or again as a, a post training meal so there's so many ways that you can do different meals with very few ingredients so oats and rice those are my super amazing things and then sweet potato of course but that's a different story that's for bacon <laughs> go get my book i'll give get you guys a discount code for my uh, for my web shop Perfecto. Hannah, thank you so, so much. You're welcome. Thank you for having me on uh, your podcast. Hannah mentioned the discount and you can get 20% off her book, Eat, Race, Win, with the code Inside Show, all lowercase, over at her website, which is hannahgrant.com. I have already made her baked banana bars for training, which taste super delicious. They're really easy and they are full of all the good stuff. As for the sweet potato, well, if you're one of my training buddies, you're going to hear all about the sweet potato stories in the second exclusive training buddy episode, which will be coming out in September. If you want to get your hands on it, you need to sign up to be a training buddy over at patreon.com forward slash inside try show. If you don't want to sign up to be a training buddy, then you can always support the show by being a coffee buddy or a vino buddy. And you can find some of Hannah's recipes over on her blog All of the links are in the show notes. Thanks for listening to the Inside Try Show. If you want to get in touch or get a little bit more information on anything, then reach out to Helen on Instagram or Twitter at Inside Try Show. However you do it, I genuinely I love hearing about what you're up to. I really enjoy hearing your thoughts as well on the show and the different episodes and the guests that I have on. As for my news... Mm, i don't think I've got a whole load to report. Uh, I've been swimming in a pool a couple of times. It is like a bathtub. Uh, I, I went this morning and I, yeah, it's, you know, when it's like uncomfortably hot and I did say on my way out, it's really, really hot for swimming. And he said, yeah, it's about 32 degrees in there. <sighs> Seriously, I'm quite looking forward to some other pools 
around us opening so I don't have to swim in the uh, 32 degree bathtub um, with no lanes and a lot of other people all trying to go up and down. (laughs) We have been hiking in the Welsh hills that was so nice. I grew up in North Wales and yeah love being back there the views were spectacular so that was very cool and I've been doing a little bit more learning. So earlier this year I learned all about periods and the menstrual cycle and more lately I've been doing a course about the menopause with Stacey Sims who actually is Hannah Grant's business partner but that has nothing to do with the fact that I've been doing her menopause course um it's oh my goodness eye-opener complete eye-opener and why are we not taught this stuff seriously it's mad like we learn in biology about you know different parts of a sheep's eyeball did we learn all about the menopause and things did we heck of course we didn't should we i think so i definitely think so and uh, hopefully i'll be able to put some of what i learn into practice to helping some of the athletes i work with so that'll be good and then this is the best bit of news we're gonna go to tembi for the non-iron man yeah can't wait. So we would have been going down for Ironman Wales and gathering interviews and supporting and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, Ironman Wales is not happening in 2020, but we are going down to South Wales anyway. And it's going to be our first week off since Christmas, which is kind of bad, isn't it? Yeah, I've definitely needed a break before now. So very, very much looking forward to that. So this week's show has been sponsored by Long Range Fuel, who make phenomenally tasty performance enhancing nut butters. You can use the code InsideTry10 for a discount on their products. Head to resilientnutrition.com or you can follow the link in the show notes over at helenmurray.net where you can also sign up to regular emails. Thank you as well to 33fuel.com and to comfuel.co.uk for their continued support. For natural and yummy bars and ultimate daily greens, then 33fuel.com is the place to go. Use the code InsideTry33 for a discount at checkout. If pick and mix is more your thing, you want different energy products, you want sweat tests, water bottles, bars, gels, whatever it is, then pop over to Comfuel and you can get 20% off on everything simply by using the code InsideTry. So until next week, look after yourself, keep in touch, look after those around you. Thank you very much for listening and we'll speak again then. Podcast Network.